Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. (laughs) I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type. Like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. I'm holding on to this self-care with every ounce of me. (laughs) Join us as we journey through sharing together. A lot of these conversations are pretty private and these women are courageous and vulnerable and transparent and that alone shows us that we're not alone in our struggle. This week we're talking to my Aunt Kelly. So in the black community, everybody who's your parents' friends is your auntie or your uncle or your cousin. (laughs) Aunt Kelly came into my life when I was two, and she introduced my parents, my mom, and my stepdad. This week, we're discussing my Aunt Kelly being a breast cancer survivor and how her journey through cancer and remission has molded and shaped her life. What's inspiring about my Aunt Kelly's story is her resilience and how she stood tall through her treatment. Now she's a voice within the community and she's building community and sisterhood. The fact that you can come out on the other side being a soldier and an advocate for something that threatened your own life is really admirable. This is Aunt Kelly's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. (laughs) I am here today in the studio with my Aunt Kelly. Uh, Do you want me to give your government name or is Aunt Kelly fine? Aunt Kelly's fine. Okay. (laughs) We are going to be chatting with her. She's phenomenal. She's known me since how old? Two? Two. Two years old. So she's watched me grow up. She's watched my daughter grow up and, you know, honorary aunt. (laughs) So my Aunt Kelly is a breast cancer survivor And I really wanted to have her on the show so we could talk to her about her firsthand experience with breast cancer and how she's become a breast cancer advocate and survivor along the way. So could you give us just a little background about you and your story? Sure. So um, I'll start with, I guess, the breast cancer part of it. I received the news on my 45th birthday, which was December 27th, 2012. Mm. We'll never forget that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We'd like to remember it for my birthday, but right. now it has another meaning. But it's still a day of birth for me because it's still a day of reliving because I'm still here. And yes. So I celebrate each birthday as a, as a new living. So actually this year will be my uh, fifth year, which is a milestone yes. for breast cancer survivors um, for the particular type of cancer that I had. Five years is important mm-hmm. to get me to without, without a reoccurrence. Mm-hmm. So um, actually, I was just getting regular mammograms at, at 45. That was to be my fifth one. I started getting them when I was 40. Okay. Was I, that at work? I feel like I remember yes. that we, you could, we were on a truck or exactly. something. Okay. We had the mammogram truck from GW that okay. would come to my job. And okay. so it was easy. You know, it was free. It was, on, it was covered under, under our insurance. So they made it real easy for you just to go out to the parking lot and, and get, it get your mammogram, just normal um, preventative care mm-hmm. you know, that the company offered. And I actually, ironically, had skipped the year before Okay. because we didn't get enough people to sign up for the mammogram and so the the truck couldn't come. And I never followed up and just went to GW on my own and Mm -hmm. got it, Mm -hmm. which is also part of my story that it's important to do that because 
Within a year, by the time I found out, it was already at stage three and had spread to my lymph nodes. Wow. So we literally had just caught it, so to speak, mm-hmm. before it, it, it had spread any further. Mm-hmm. So when we when I got the mammogram, like I said, all this was right before the Christmas holiday. Mm-hmm. And I remember after I got it, I was sore. Um, and if you remember, I was uh, smaller then also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being sore, you know, and feeling myself. And I actually felt the lump. And I was like, well, that's strange. What you does know? it feel like? It actually just feels like a lump, like a rock or something mm. is inside your you know inside your skin like kind of like you could pluck it out if you wanted to or is it like almost like you could literally you know kind of take your hand and and feel it and almost feel it moving Mm. you know it was really weird and I and my first thing really wasn't breast cancer I was thinking they squished me so hard in this mammogram machine that it you know made like a little abscess or something was what I was thinking and then You know, then the other thoughts start. And I was like, this is weird. So I actually called them and I said, you know, the holidays are about to start. I'm I'm sure you guys will be short staffed. And normally they would just send you a letter saying it was okay or we need you to follow up. Mm -hmm. So I asked them, would they look at it earlier since the holiday was coming? Because I was a little concerned because I never felt that before. Yeah. They called me back in two hours and said, we need to get you in as soon as possible. We just we had the doctor look at the radiologist look at it and she does see a spot where you're telling us that you feel something in. So that started the whole thing. Literally, I was in there, and from there it was just whirlwind, you know, diagnosis, biopsies, um, finding out the stage, figuring out what kind of surgery, what kind of treatment I needed to do. We we did we went the treatment route first, which was chemo. We right, did the chemo first mm-hmm. because the goal was literally to uh, to shrink the tumor because mm-hmm. the tumor was big. It was about three centimeters, I think. Okay. So we wanted to shrink it first in hopes of that I wouldn't have to have a mastectomy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of decisions have to be made when you find out this because they is give it quickly you, like everything is kind of just like you have to just be quick about it. Yeah, I mean they encourage you to, and and, and that's a. A lot of the discussion in the cancer community that a lot of the ladies feel rushed mm. when they find out mm-hmm. um, and all this information is coming at them. You know, your doctors are telling you what they suggest. You have friends and family who've had friends who've had breast cancer before that are right. giving you their opinion. Right. So right. you're overwhelmed. You're just like, I need to make a decision. And it's all based on saving your life. You right. know? It's not just um, I need to buy a new house or a right. new car. And we're talking about my life. Right. You know? right. So you do feel tempted to make those decisions kind of quick. Mm-hmm. I, kn- I do know some ladies that I've met over time that have, they actually took time off when they found out to say, wait a minute, I need to absorb all this, this. Yes, yeah. and process it before. So how was that? So let's, let's take a step back for a second. Mm-hmm. Like how did you process it? And you're a wife and a mother how did your spouse and your kids process this news? Do you remember, remember. telling them? I yeah. do, I do. So, um, of course, you you know all my children. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Glenn actually wasn't home at that time. He was in New York, mm-hmm. and Josh and Angelique were still home. Mm-hmm. And actually, on the 27th, which is when I went in to do the secondary, what they call diagnostic testing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband, Angelique, my daughter, and my mom, my sister-in-law, and my niece, Frances, they were actually all with me. Okay. So when we when they showed us on the screen, we all saw at the same time right. that that was what it was. Now, on that on the 27th, they didn't actually um, say for sure that that's what it was, but they were like 99%. I still had to have a biopsy at that to, point. To confirm. To confirm, right. But in talking to the doctor and the way that they were treating me at that point, 
we pretty much knew. I mean, she she pretty much knew that that's what it was. She just didn't want to say it to me, but we knew that that's what it was. Yeah. Angelique was actually there, and, and of course my mom and Alvin, but they were all still kind of like, nah, we're not believing it yet. Yeah. So literally the day that I got the biopsy results, I went by myself, which mm-hmm. I, I, when I think back, I should not have done. But when I called the hospital that day to see if the results were in, mm-hmm. they were like, well, we can't give them to you over the phone. You have to come here in person. And I was like, okay. And yeah. I was at work. So Alvin was working, he couldn't get off, and my mom at that time was working in the courthouse, and she was in a trial, and she's like, give me about an hour and I'll go with you. And I sat at my desk for about 15 minutes yeah, literally had a nervous breakdown, Mm -hmm. and my boss was like, just go, just go. So I went down by myself, and my first reaction when they told me is I literally just kind of fell out in the office. I was like in total shock. I felt alone, Mm. you know, because I was by myself. Right. Okay. And I just remember, I remember asking the doctor, um, like, show me a piece of paper. Like, I don't believe you. I want to see it in writing that that it's actually cancer. Right. And even though I kind of knew to actually hear her say it and then see it on paper, biopsy confirms, um, they, I just drew a blank for the actual medical term of it, um, but to see it. I I just was in shock. Yeah. And I remember just losing it. Like, I just cried and I cried and I cried. Um, By then, my mother was already calling my cell phone because she's like, where are you? I thought you were going to wait for me. So the doctor actually answered the phone and and talked to her and told her what was going on. They gave me a minute. They had a counselor Mm -hmm. um, that was there. And she came in and sat with me for a while. And I kind of got myself together to leave. And then I, um, by that time... I had re- I'd gotten Alvin on the phone, and so he left work early, mm-hmm. and he was meeting me. So I had to meet him at the subway. And when I, I remember pulling up the car, and I literally, when I saw him, I just pulled the car over, and I got out the car, and I he grabbed me, and I grabbed him, and we both just stood, like, in the middle of the street just crying, like, what? Just, like, our world was rocked. Yeah. So we went on home, and that same day, it was a school day, so mm-hmm. Angelique wasn't home yet. And at that time, Angelique had just started high school. Mm-hmm. You know, she was very that. active. She yeah. was in cheer and all this kind of and, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So before she came in, me and Alvin and my mom, we were discussing when should we tell her. And I was like, I have to tell her right away because I she knows me. I mean, I, I'm probably looking crazy right now. I'm pretty <laughs> devastated. So yeah. she's already... Right. And she was with us for the initial appointment. So she's kind of waiting to hear also. So when she walked in the door, we were literally all sitting on the couch. Mm -hmm. You know how my house is. Mm -hmm. And when she walked in, she just said, what, mommy? And I said, well, we got the test results back. And it says that it's it's positive that I do have cancer. And she just sat in the couch and she cried. And that was the worst. That literally broke my heart. Yeah. And I can remember saying to her, um, you know, mommy's going to beat this Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I have plans. I plan to see you through high school. I Mm -hmm. plan to see you graduate, Mm -hmm. plan to see you go to college, get married, Mm -hmm. have children like those. That's what I'm living for. Those are my plans. Mm -hmm. I plan to see my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. You know, while we were talking to her, actually, Josh came home um, and we told him. And you you know how Josh is. Um, You know, he's a young man and not real emotional but I could see it all over his face, like, what, what like is going what's on? what's going on, yeah. 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 And, you know, and the truth about it is I, I, I focused on the kids so much that I never, I, 
I won't say never, but it wasn't until further into my treatment that I started to think about how it was affecting Alvin and my mom. Mm. You know, you're what we call our co-survivors, the yeah. ones that are taking care of me, the yeah. ones that were going to every treatment with me there for every surgery, you know, what they were thinking. And then it, I started thinking, gosh, you know, role reversal. What if Alvin had cancer? How would I feel? Or, yeah. or if my mom or if it was my daughter that I was watching fight cancer, mm-hmm. you know. And those are real things that you have to think about, too, because it's just as difficult as it is for me. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for your family, yeah. you know, other people. I think I was I think I showed you um, a text, actually, that I still have yeah. that I took a picture and put in my journal yeah. of a conversation that you and Char had yeah. um, about it. You know, you think about all your people around you and and. Uh, your first podcast with Ajalique. Yeah, mm-hmm. that came up in you all's conversation. And I remember you saying something like, I don't want to die. I don't want to leave everybody. Yeah. You know, and that's how I was feeling like, I don't want to leave everybody. I don't want them to have to live without with, me. I yeah. don't want my daughter to not have her mom here. I don't want my husband to not have me because he can't move on. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know all those just, just kind of selfish things. thoughts. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't want them to have to worry about a life without me. You know, right, right. That's really powerful, and I really commend you for just walking through this because you know Ryan's mom. She passed in August from breast cancer, and yes. you just kind of flocked to her and like we're sending her so much love and cards and yeah. what has cancer taught you about community because you kind of you you dove into the community head first I I feel like how how did that I I know that having cancer was awful and it's scary I'm sure still navigating life thinking like it could come back or the scary things that go along with it but what has it brought to your life that's been good if that makes sense I would say love and it's it's interesting you asked that because I was um at an event what we call the pink event a couple weeks ago that mm-hmm. I spoke at and one of my friends who's there who's living with stage four mm-hmm. she asked me a similar question she was like Kelly I don't know how you seem to still want to do for a lot of us in the community mm. and you do it with a smile like how do you keep doing it and I and I told her that I honestly didn't have an answer but it's just overwhelming love it's just simple it's love and love is free yeah to just give I mean when I and, and we're at a time where people are starting to talk about breast cancer more mm-hmm. so you know for me when I was younger you didn't talk about it mm-hmm. you know if, if someone in your family had it or your your some your grandparents friends or your Mother's friends, you kind of knew they would say the big C, but mm. nobody really talked, talked about, about it. it. And you just kind of heard they have cancer, they got treatment, they're fine. Mm. You know, that was this kind of like they simplified it. Yes. Yeah. You didn't know the details of it. And so I, I say, luckily for me, being diagnosed in this day and time with social media, I was able to find other people who were surviving. that had went through it and could tell me more about it than what the doctors were laying out for me because they still, I mean, they, they don't make it simple, but they give you the big picture. Right. You know, they don't tell you the details of the emotions that you're going to feel, all right. the extra things that are going to happen with your body right. um, that you're just not prepared for. Right. So for me, that's what it's about. Like, I just remember how I felt and I just want to help, you know, if someone else, because that hearing those words turned you around. But that's mm-hmm. only the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
your life is literally turned around. We call it our new normal. Mm. You know, it's our new normal that we have to figure out how to live even after treatment. And after treatment is, to me, the hardest part. Why? Well, because during treatment, everybody's there. So you have you don't have a lot of time. I mean, you have time to focus on what's going on. It what's right. going on, but you know, it's it's busy. Right. You know, you're going to treatment every three weeks. Two of those weeks, you're sick. One week, you might get good. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going through so much. People are coming around. People are calling and checking on you, you know, helping your family out, getting your kids around. And then when treatments and everything is done and you say no evidence of disease, Mm -hmm. then everybody's like, okay, she's fine. And they go on. But then it gives you that moment to say, wow, what just happened to me? Like, what did I just go through? And then you start thinking of. You know, you have the body image things, you yeah. know, because for, in my case, I did a full mastectomy. Yeah, I um, remember us talking about that, too, mm-hmm. and you saying that you weren't going to get the the reconstructive mm-hmm. afterwards. So I would love to talk about that. Like, how did that feel as a woman to have your to have both breasts mm-hmm. removed? Mm-hmm. And then how was that body image afterwards? Mm-hmm. Because at first you were like, no, I'm not getting them. I'm not getting the implants. And then you were like. I think I'm going to get them. Yes. So how did yes. that all work for and you? And ironically, I'm back at that I'm about to have an appointment to ask her to take them out. Oh, really? So I've gone full circle. <laughs> yes. yes. Let's talk yes. about double mastectomy, body yes. image, getting the implants and taking them out. Okay. <laughs> so the like you said at the beginning, again, because you're going through so much, there's right. so much that's going on that the reconstruction is the last part of it. Right, so, right. In that process, when they're saying, let's meet with your plastic surgeon, I'm like, nah, I don't don't want to do it. There's Mm -hmm. just, you know, so much has been going on. I'm just really tired. I mean, I'm living at GW, basically. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. I'm fine with being flat chested, you know, because I was small before. I'm just happy to be here. It's no big deal. I just, I don't, you know, I've never had a real body image. And I always say I never had a body image issue before and actually didn't think so much about the breasts before. My body image issues are now after the fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I decided that I wasn't going to do it. But as it turned out, the plastic surgeon that I happened to be on my team was like an aunt to me. She mm-hmm. was absolutely wonderful. And we talked and talked and she gave me all the options and you know, made it very clear to me that this was strictly for me, whatever I wanted to do. Right. It, was, it was not for my husband, not for anybody else. It was what I wanted to do. So I opted to go ahead and, and do the reconstruction with the implants, which mm-hmm. involved when I have the mastectomy, they put in what they call expanders, which are like little plastic bags. I remember you had those right. and to they, stretch everything. Exactly, right? to stretch your skin out. And they put like saline solution in them for a couple of weeks until you're visually at the size that you want to be. Mm-hmm. And then they let that sit for a couple months, and then they do what they call an exchange surgery, where they take the bags out and put the actual implants in. So I went That's through all that. Lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. And and actually, that one was probably the easiest surgery. So there's other options mm-hmm. where you can take like fat from other parts of your body, and they can basically create breasts for you. Mm-hmm. Now the the catch with all this, as ladies, as we we know, our breasts are part of our sexual right. beings. So when you have a mastectomy, that's gone. Even right. with, even if I were, even with the implants or even if I was to do it where they took fat from other parts of my right. body, that sensation, sensation is, is gone. gone. And so I knew that, but then you don't really think about it until after the fact when you're back to trying to live your life normal, right. you know, with your husband. And mm-hmm. it's like, these things are just here for no reason for shirts, you right. know, basically. Right. 
And then the after fact with it is that I'm in pain a lot. So I have scar tissue Mm -hmm. on the right side underneath that pulls quite often. Mm -hmm. And it's just uncomfortable. And I have what's called lymphedema in my right hand, on my right side, because my lymph nodes were removed. So how your body normally drains out through your lymph nodes, Mm -hmm. mine doesn't work as well on the right hand side because those lymph nodes were removed. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times my hand or my arm will swell up, which means it swells up underneath here. So it's just awkward. It's all those little things. And so at this point, literally probably from the last month, I was like, I just want to get these things out. I'm just over it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've just gotten to that point in life. It's just like they're, you know, I'm not a young lady that's, you know, needs to have her cleavage out and, you know, want to get attention and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And they serve no pleasures for me and my husband. And you're not nursing babies. No, and I'm not nursing. (laughs) I'm all done. Right. The only right. one good thing I will say is uh, <laughs> since I've had my grandson, he does like to nuzzle he up. Li- <laughs> he likes to nuzzle up yes, against the he bosom. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I recently started wearing a new bra by Third Love, and I absolutely adore it. Did you know that breast shape matters when you're finding a good fit? I didn't. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. I found the Fit Finder quiz really helpful when I was picking out my third love bra. I didn't know I was wearing the wrong size for so long. I think what's really awesome about this is that over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date, and it's actually a pretty fun experience. I answered a few simple questions and I found my perfect fit in about 60 seconds. Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, which is more sizes than most other brands, including their signature half cup sizes. Not only that, but Third Love is convenient. You can skip the trip to the mall, find your fit with their online fit finder, order, try it on at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences. What really sold me on Third Love was the 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. Fit stylists are available every day to help via text, chat, or phone. Returns and exchanges are free and easy. What's not to love? Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering Hey Girl listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heygirl to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heygirl for 15% off today. So when you first saw yourself without your breasts, like when you saw your body Mm -hmm. without them, Mm -hmm. what was that so i didn't look for probably three months what do you mean? I'm, I'm sorry not three months three about three weeks about a month so you just would avoid the mirror i did so alvin would clean my wounds so after you have the mastectomy they actually put drains mm-hmm. real like i'm it's hard to explain but like they're called tubes, drains right? like tubes that hang out your side with little bulbs on the bottom that basically capture the excess of Stuff. fluid and liquid yeah, that's yeah. coming out and it has to be a certain amount of time before they'll take those out, before they can move on to your next step. So Mm -hmm. I had five of those, two on one side and three on the other. Mm -hmm. And you have to be very careful with them because if you tug at them, they hurt because they're basically, it's a drain. So I had, you know, five incisions. They're in your skin. They can, you know, they're just uncomfortable. Yeah. 
but you have to clean around them. And I had to clean the scars and stuff, but I couldn't do it. So Alvin would do it. He would actually come and he would clean the scars and I would just look around, just look away. <laughs> yep. So one day I said, okay, I, I know I'm like, I gotta be a big girl. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I'll do it. So I went in the bathroom and took everything off. And again, that just, you know, the, those are the emotional moments where yeah. it becomes like reality. Like, like that's really because happened of, to me. Right. So like I was saying, there's so many people around and you know how my family is. I mm-hmm. mean, your family yeah. too, your mom and your dad stepped in and did so much for us. So there's so many people around helping you that when you have to start doing things for yourself, mm-hmm. I think that's when it like really hits you. So that moment and in the bathroom, in. Yeah, yeah, when I took my shirt off and I was just like, oh my gosh, like they're gone. And I have these two huge scars, you know. Mm. And at that time, I had the expanders in, but we had not started to expand them yet. So they were just it was. Yeah, just there. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So you started getting your mammograms at 40. Mm -hmm. Were you at a higher risk? I know that, like, for instance, Brian and I have talked about this. Like his dad had prostate cancer and his mom had breast cancer. So he's like at this high risk of having Cancer, preferably it doesn't happen, but mm-hmm. it could. Mm-hmm. Ajalique, too, her mom has had cancer, and mm-hmm. she's getting to the age now. Her doctors are saying, you need to start for early detection. You need to just start with your preventative care now. Exactly. Were you at a higher risk? Did cancer run in your family? No. So ironically, no one. So I would say no one that I know of. Mm-hmm. So, of course, not um, my grandmother or your mom. her generation, not at my mom's generation, any of my aunts. So I have a sister through my dad Mm -hmm. who is actually a three-time breast cancer survivor. And she was uh, actually diagnosed when she was 26 for the first time. Wow. And her second time was literally a week after I found out. So when I called her to tell her about mine and, you know, she was talking me through some of the process, ironically, maybe like a week, like she was talking to me like every day. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I didn't hear from her. I was like, that's strange. Eb calls me all the time. Mm-hmm. And so my dad called and he said, did you talk to Ebony yet? And I said, well, I didn't talk to her like in a week. So I was worried about her because, you know, we've been talking quite often. Mm-hmm. He says he's, she has some news to share with you. And when I actually ended up talking to her, it was that she was diagnosed again. Wow. So um, only through her. And we actually both had testing. So they mm-hmm. have genetic testing that you do, mm-hmm. um, which I had done. Um, early on okay. as far as concerns for Angelique okay, um, to make sure that I wasn't carrying the gene okay. that they, they call it. The, I'm sorry, I just drew a blank for the medical term, but there's okay. a gene that they test for mm-hmm. to see if you have it. Something mm-hmm. similar to what I think was Angeline Jolie did. Oh, yeah, she yeah, She didn't yeah. have cancer, but she had the gene, so she opted to go ahead and have, and have the, the double mastectomy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a test for that. So mine came back negative and my sister's came back negative. Ironically, so I don't know if there's other testing out there or, or that we just haven't discovered yet. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's so scary, too. Yeah, I because mean, breast cancer is one of those things. I mean, we all know about eating right, living right, you know, and doing those things. And and I know there's lots of talks and controversy around is breast cancer preventable. But I honestly, mm-hmm. I don't think it is. I think it's just a weird thing that just happens to some of us. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's this one catch-all, don't do this and you won't get breast cancer. Like, Mm -hmm. I've talked to people that were, I mean, I wasn't the healthiest before. I mean, um, you know, I've always worked out and, you know, I eat well, but I also eat bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
But I've met people that were like health fanatics. I mean, you know, and worked out and only drank water and didn't drink alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, all kind of things and still got breast cancer. It's just wow. a, an unknown, you know. Yeah. It's really weird. But I do believe that still taking care of your body helps to at least reduce your risk. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, I was talking about the body image thing. Yeah has become more of an issue for me afterwards because I've gained so much weight through the medicines Mm -hmm. and things that I was taking. So now I'm fighting with that. You know, I'm fighting with that they tell us as African-Americans that to reduce our risk, we also have to reduce our Our weight. weight. Mm -hmm. But one of the medications I'm on to reduce my chances of a reoccurrence makes me gain weight. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm fighting against that, you know. So I've I've changed my eating habits quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of alkaline water. Mm-hmm. I do green smoothies. You know, none of those things are helping me lose weight. <laughs> but I'm hoping that internally in my body it's that they're working. helping. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I remember when Ryan's mom came to our wedding, she was on all these different medications and the cancer had spread to her eyes at that point and yes. she was blind in one eye. And she just didn't, she didn't look like herself. Mm-hmm. And it was the medicine trying to, I guess, do its part. And I remember Ryan used to always say, oh, I know mama don't like this because she was always just classy and put together and, you know, in control of of her appearance. And she was she was trying so hard to fight through it. And it takes a toll on you because it's it's a catch 22. You know, there's there's the balance between the medicine that they give you and trying to deal with your body holistically. Right. And, you know, a lot of people believe that we should cut the medicines out and just deal um, holistically with Mm -hmm. it. And I battled with that also. I mean, I had um, a lady that came over, you know, and helped me. She actually helped me start to juice um, Mm -hmm. and things like that. And, you know, told me about those ways that I could do it holistically and actually gave me some places. But I just wasn't convinced at that time that that would totally eradicate the cancer. Yeah. I mean, I hear the stories. I see them on social network like everybody else, but I don't know those people. I mean, I've actually talked to people that had treatment and I can see them. I see ladies living 20 years out. And I do know of maybe two cases where ladies decided like I'm not doing treatment anymore. And they were just completely doing this green based diet and they passed away. Mm. So it's this battle within yourself. Like, which way do Do I I go? go? Right. Right. and and knowing that oftentimes the medicines that we agree to take, they're killing so much more in our system. Yeah. So it's like that, you know, that decision you have to make. Yeah. Am I going to allow it to do all this other stuff to me to kill the cancer? Mm. You know, it's, that's that. That's a hard decision. How long did you struggle with that? I was ready to quit after the first chemo. Really? <laughs> Literally. How was chemo? What? what? So chemo, um, you know, going in. It's okay. So for me, and everyone's process is different because, again, I didn't know that there was different kinds of breast cancer. Right. You know, there's different kinds of treatments that you'll be giving. So the chemo or the cocktail that everyone gets is not always the, the same. same. Okay, okay. Um, so for me, when I would get mine, the day of, I was fine. Like, I would go and get chemo. I was in there probably for like four to five hours. Usually I wow. fall asleep while That's I'm in there. a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. But I would literally come home if Angelique had a game, I'd go to her game or if we were going out, you know, I kept You're going Still out. being superwoman. I, I tried, <laughs> but that was day one. So I found out that for my particular cocktail, it 
didn't really get into my system probably until the second or third day because by day three, when I say sick, down and out, I mean, it's a down and out that is, it's, it's so hard to explain because it takes over your body. And for me, somebody who always wants to be in control and up and going, yeah. it really sat me down. Like it scared me. I was mm-hmm. like, "This is this how this is supposed to feel? Like I almost felt like the medicine would kill me wow. before the cancer because it makes you feel like you just can't do anything. Like I literally could not get up and roll out the bed. It was that bad. I mean, I struggled. I would get up and sit on the side of bed and then I would feel nauseated and I would throw up and I'd feel dizzy, lay back down trying to get I remember crawling to the bathroom like I couldn't move and so this was after the first one Mm -hmm. and I told Al I'm not doing this anymore (laughs) it's like this is crazy like I wasn't expecting to feel that bad I just thought I'd maybe feel like I had a bad cold or flu or something or like I ate something bad but it it's crazy it would it would take me for that for about two days and then I take me another two days to get better so you kind of have like a week where you're feeling good in between right. your treatments. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Define survivor for you. How does that, how does survivor play a different, that word survivor play right. a different role in your life now? Cause yes. you've literally yeah. had yeah. to do it. So to me, survival is really not about just still being here. Mm. Like I call my sisters who have passed on for breast cancer. They were still survivors also. Mm -hmm. So surviving to me is basically still being able to go through whatever you're going through on a daily basis. Like you're still with because with cancer, like I said, a lot of people don't realize the the inside part of it. The other things that we're dealing with, they just see the internal, you know, the external. They right. say that we went through chemo. Like how I was just explaining to you right. how it made me feel like nobody was in my room with me on those days. Right. To say, oh my goodness, like she can't even get up out of her bed. Like, right. is that supposed to happen? Right. So we're surviving through that. You know, we're still trying to do things and stri- and, and the world is going on. The world doesn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> so we're still Isn't that surviving. weird? Exactly. It's like I'm going through this in my I feel like the world is made up a bunch of a bunch of different worlds. And yes. it's like my world has kind of stopped and mm-hmm. shifted and the rest of the world is fine. Yeah. Well, not fine because we don't know other people's ex- experiences. But you, exactly. you know what I mean? Like yes. it's still it's still going and yes. people are still living and they're still getting up and taking yes. care of their kids and walking their dogs and all the stuff. And you're just like, but I'm here. Yes. Yeah. And I, I said that a lot. And um, I, and I would say, you know, for my spiritual beliefs, like God was all through this. Like, yeah. I don't know the reasons why I'm still here. And some of my sisters who had the same diagnosis or not, I just say it's all God. And it's for his reason. I can remember so many instances. And one of those is I was I would try to get up and walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so they recommend that you, you know, try to stay active and exercise, at least at a minimum walking, especially mm-hmm. when you're going through chemo. Mm-hmm. So I remember getting up and walking one day at in my neighborhood. And at that time, I had lost my hair, so mm-hmm. I was bald. And I was walking, and I had on my headphones, and I must have been smiling. I don't I don't remember. And this lady, uh, she was walking towards me, you know, so when she passed me, but she tapped me on my back after she passed me. So I turned around like, you know, hey, what's up? Because I didn't know her. Yeah. And she said, I just have to ask you. She said, do you have cancer or did you have cancer? And I said, um, yes. I said, I'm, I'm going through treatment now. And she said, and you're smiling 
so pretty. She said, I was out here walking because I'm going through some stuff with my son and I was just thinking how life is so horrible mm. and how am I going to deal with this? And, you know, she said she was just having some personal battles. Right. And she said she walked past me and she said she saw this lady who was fighting for her life and was smiled at her. Mm. And it made it very clear to her that she was going to get through what she was going through. Mm. And I was just amazed. And I said, I nothing but God. I don't even remember what I was smiling right. about. It's probably, I don't know, I was probably listening to Chuck Brown or something <laughs> as I was walking. My music was good. But it was little things like that that would happen that would remind me that this is why I'm surviving. Like, mm. this is God's plan for me that I need to show somebody else. And it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's going through cancer. Just mm-hmm. showing people that we can still make it through no matter what your battle is, that we will come out on the other side. And sometimes we have to go through things to make us stronger or to be an example for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like we just don't know what the what the process is or what the plan is. So you just have to survive through it. You got to keep going yeah. through it. Has this experience for you made you and your family closer? Do you feel like you cherish your time more? And- I do. I do. I mean, you know, I've always... Um, been passionate about Absol- my family. Absolutely. I mean, my extended family, yeah. everybody. You know, I just, I just love my family, yeah. my my immediate family, and my um my extended family. But yeah, this gives a different meaning, and and a lot of it to me is is gratefulness because I was always kind of in charge of everything. You know, mm-hmm. although I'm I'm married and I have a husband, I'm you know I'm running the household. I'm making sure everybody's where they need to be. You know, during our finances, during our meals, mm-hmm. all those kind of things, and. I was almost overwhelmed with the love that came my way and the way people gave back and the mm-hmm. way people just came and did and for me up and for just you. showed up. Yeah. It was just like, wow, like I didn't realize that that many people loved me. You know, <laughs> it was it was a good feeling to know that people cared. And, that, and that's where that thought came in. Like, I don't want to leave these people like mm-hmm. I want to be here. I don't want I don't want anybody to be sad. Like, I don't want to be looking down on my funeral and seeing people sad and crying about, you know, that I'm not here anymore because of this. I don't, I don't want that. Like I got to get through this, you yeah. know? So it's just the gratefulness. Like I can't even begin to explain how people just did. Yeah. Like it was amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. And a lot of ladies don't have that, which is another reason why I try to stay active in the yeah. community to yeah. kind of fill those voids for some of the ladies that don't, because I was, when I say blessed, extremely blessed I mean from time to financial to um just the love it was just it was a lot yeah (laughs) it was a lot yeah that's that's wonderful yeah so we're gonna wrap up but the last question I have for you is how has self-care played a role in your healing process because I feel like while you are in remission and we pray that you stay in remission how do you continue to take care of your mind and body as you're journeying through day by day. Right. So for me, I, I think it's a lot of my spiritual. Mm-hmm. I stay prayed up and I believe in faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, God has already shown me to not worry about things so much mm-hmm. and to really give it to him. Mm-hmm. And it was, as I say, let go, let God. Yeah. And so in a lot of instances, I do that more often. Mm-hmm. I When I feel myself getting worked up about a situation, it's just like, okay, you already know. Yeah, <laughs> He's already showed you time and time again that you'll come through this. And so I do that. That's for the mind. For the body, you know, I've, I've still tried to stay active working out. Mm-hmm. Yoga is important to me now. Yay. So I love yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I love my quiet meditative state. 
essential oils. I love essential oils. They tease me at work because every morning I have a ritual. I come into work. I wash my hands. I put lotion on my hands and I take my essential oil that's, I think it's a eucalyptus. Mm -hmm. And I put a little bit on my hand and on my nose and, and I do it. <laughs> And they'll say, Kelly's at work. We smell the oil. <laughs> like, yes, I'm here. And it should be helping the whole office to calm down. And let's get busy. Um, so I, I found myself doing different things that I didn't used to do. Like I said, the eating, the yeah. water. I'm really into my alkaline water, which is very expensive. This stuff is so expensive. Yeah. But just, you know, thinking about myself, I found myself probably like within the last, literally probably in the last two weeks, trying to be more conscious about what I put in my mouth. Yeah. Like thinking about everything that I go to pick up. To put in my mouth, yeah. you know, and especially things around sugar, mm -hmm. um, alcohol, because I love my wine. <laughs> I love my wine. I know you I mean, do. it is grapes, but I <laughs> fermented grapes. <laughs> um, but just trying to be conscious of yeah. it. Not saying that I've perfected it, right. but just really trying just being more to be mindful. Yes, exactly. Because mm -hmm. for a long time, you know, your life is for me, has been about everybody else, yeah. doing for everybody else and doing things and really not paying attention, eating on the go, stopping at 7-Eleven, yeah. getting a Slim Jim and a soda. I mean, my Pepsis. I miss my Pepsis. <laughs> I haven't had a Pepsi like in three weeks. Well, there's, just to plug this, and this is not a sponsored <laughs> thing, but Dr. Virgil's is great, but it's like, it's a healthy soda. So, oh. and Ryan loves like, cherry cola and root beer yes. and they have a healthy they have a clean version of that it's more expensive but it's really good you no artificial stopping at a anything. store when i leave here oh and it just the fizzies oh, it's just so good so that might help you to the pepsi cherry vanilla oh, oh my, my goodness, goodness. <laughs> i miss it so bad <laughs> well i'm i'm so happy you're here and that you Thank are you. a testimony and that you Thank are creating you. community with your story and your Thank voice you. so you. please let people know where they can find you where they can connect with you and any breast cancer resources that you may have organizations feel yes. free to list them off okay so um, the nonprofit organization that I work with that I'm on the board of directors is called Four Three Sisters, F-O-R, the number three sisters. Um, in the area, it's probably known best um, by the Pink Fireman, mm -hmm. um, who actually had three sisters who passed from breast cancer. And so him and his wife created a nonprofit organization to basically help facilitate for other ladies that were diagnosed that whole process. Mm -hmm. How I was kind of saying we're... Somebody may not have all the resources that I had, so we kind of fill in those blanks for them and help them navigate through that so mm -hmm. they don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. um, we're based out of Alney, Maryland, and our website is 43sisters.org. So you can look them up there. For me, um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook, Kelly Southern. <laughs> Ended up giving your government <laughs> yes, name anyway. Yes, <laughs> I did. I did. I did. <laughs> um, so you can find me there and... Um, I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. But I just I I just have one thing I want to say outside okay. of the breast cancer story. Okay. So of course I'm here as a breast cancer survivor, but also your auntie and I just want to say how proud I am of you. <laughs> Thank you. And how much I love you and I've watched your journey like I said from day 2 when I came into our families yeah, came merged. together merged. Um, my stepdad knows is married to my mom because of my aunt Kelly. So yes, it's like a yes. super close <laughs> relation. Yes, yes, we are all super close. And um, I've watched your journey and I'm just so proud of you. Thank I'm you. extremely proud Thank of you. Thank you. And I love you so I much. I love you too, baby. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Hey Girl is a member of the District Productive Network. Produced by Jamie Benson and me, 
Alex L. Music provided by DC's own Kokai. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.